Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DistalProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Join today we have Birdie. <coughs> ah. Hi. Yeah, Birdie's doing pretty all right. And yeah. occasionally, you may also hear the inordinate shouting of the nine people who end up fucking spending all goddamn night in my fucking living room. Because, yay. I Apparently, I have fucking friends or whatever. They're very loud and kind of annoying. Mm. But, anywho. We're here. Talking about anime and stuff. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, apparently. In that case. Yeah, I'll fucking start. Uh, so this one I started reading it is only a couple chapters in and it is it's a thing so it's called off to a riveting start yeah so it's called a Kyoshitsu sorry Kyoshitsu Jibuku Club which from what I remember and my notes uh, roughly translates to the Suicide Bombing Classroom Club All right. Yay. Uh, Kyoshitsu usually means assassination, but okay. It, w- it was the thing listed on the site I read it on. Okay, maybe it, it means suicide bombing in the context of the other parts of the... Because Kyoshitsu is also part of uh, um, Assassination Classroom, that uh-huh. thing. Well, this is... But whatever. Well, this is kind of about assassination because it's about high school students bringing bombs to their class and then blowing them up. Uh, okay. Yeah, Are so... Are they graded on it? Pardon? Are they graded on it? Uh, no. The teachers usually vapor by that point. Okay. So we Seems are... Like this would be over pretty quick. Yeah, so we are um, two or two and a half to three chapters, depending on how you count it, because there's a zero chapter. Which, it's kind of yeah, not. Yeah, they love to do that now. Yeah, it, it's kind of not, though, because the Zero chapter is just five pages from the first chapter taken out of context. Yeah. And those five pages are a group of high school students standing around a desk covered in fake body parts, which are theirs. Uh, okay. So, with context... What it is, is three years before the start of the story, I believe, um, there there was there was a group, there was like a classroom, they were all just sitting there, having class, doing whatever, about to take exams, and then a kid walks in. It's a student from the class who nobody has seen in a while because he got bullied so hard he stopped coming to school. Okay. You know, one of those old chestnuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He then sits down in his seat in the center of the class, everyone starts taking their exams, and then he sets off a bomb. Which then kills the majority of the class except for seven kids. And each of these seven lose a body part. Or at least part or at least part of body parts. Uh, our main guy, whose name escapes me because, like I said, we're two chapters in, so I haven't had enough time to actually nail down any of these fucking character names. Yeah, our main, char- main character, he loses an arm. 
Uh, one lady, one kid loses her eye. Another one loses a couple of his fingers. One kid loses his leg. And they kind of get back together after a few, after a couple of years. Come into a class, come into the classroom where the bomb went off. And then all of them just kind of, as I guess a show of solidarity, I'll take off their prosthetic body parts and put them on a, t- and put them on a desk. Which point our main guy says someone in this classroom gave that kid the bomb. And then starts going into this, starts going into this like very, well, somewhat detailed uh, kind of breakdown of the reasoning for why he thinks someone gave him the bomb and why it was one of them. All that shit. Meanwhile, somewhere else, completely unrelated at this point. Oh, yay. Some girl walks into class with a suicide with a suicide bomb vest. Everyone's like, "Hey, you fucking bitch! That ain't a fucking bomb." So she takes she pulls out a pulls out a completely separate explosive device, throws it out the window, and it explodes to prove it's real. That's uh, well, I guess it, if you're if you're not pulling an Amanda Waller and blowing someone else up else's neck up, you gotta prove you're serious first somehow. Yeah. And then she's, and then like everyone starts, like people start trying to like secretly text their fucking parents, like, "Hey, there's some kid in here with a bomb," and the bomber wants people to know for whatever reason, and then begins essentially a death game. Where why do you keep finding these things? They fucking find me, dude. I go to Reddit. I search for. I just fucking scroll through all the new oh, that's shit. Your first mistake. Yeah, I scroll through all the new shit on Reddit. If there's a chapter one, I read it. If there's a chapter 30 and the fucking image looks decent, I go to chapter one and read it. It's not my fault I keep finding the murderous children. It kind of is, though. Hell, I'm kind of surprised that actually I never actually found out about Maho Shoujo site before the anime happened. Hmm. That seems like the kind of thing that I would stumble upon. But yeah, so uh, death game thing. It's like, hey, scan this QR code and then go to this website and then vote for five people who you think are responsible for me bu- for the bullying of me and what happens when this goes and what will happen. And she has like a dead man switch. I don't fully... Okay, so I kind I know what the overall thing I'm assuming is, which is these fucking kids, these like this like main group of seven or whatever. They're gonna be like starting their fucking investigation or whatever, and then it's gonna be like, oh, I got this fucking bombing stuff, and then everyone who was like, oh, you're fucking crazy, no one gave that girl a bomb, no one gave that fucking shit bag a bomb, and then they find out about this girl who bombed her fucking school. It's like, oh, maybe he's right. And then it comes to this big conspiracy thing as other kids start getting fucking involved in bombings. And then it will last for 20 chapters, be involved with time travel somehow, then get canceled. You know, how all of these go. Yeah, uh uh-huh. But the only thing I can really say in the favor of this series is the artwork is good. Okay, that is usually pretty rare for this kind of garbage, but fair Oh, enough. yeah, it is. It is kind of shocking to me how much I actually enjoy the art style for this. Um, actually, looking back at the chat logs for this fucking Discord server, 
it reminds me a bit of Way of the House Husband. Just okay. way less cartoony and exaggerated. It's all very flat. Which, for the style of story they're telling, that makes sense. They aren't they aren't going for like the big. Okay, it is it is one of those exploitative kind of things where because it, it is children in suicide vests. But they aren't yeah. going for the super, super over the top exploitative thing. Where it's like, hey, we got this 14-year-old whose tits are the size of your head and she's always wearing low-cut shirts. And hey, here's this fucking cop who wants to fuck a child. They're not doing that. Okay. It is all very flat standard, like, as real as manga art can look. Well, as, as real as this manga art style will look, will allow. Uh, and the only thing that uh, does kind of drop that a bit is that it is it is really good art but it's not really great at showing off any kind of differentiating factor between real body parts and the prosthetic stuff because when i read that zero chapter i had a very different idea of what the series was because when i read that zero chapter what it looked like to me was a bunch of kids had like like a kid like a friend of theirs or whatever got blown up and then they all ended up getting a body part of his that replaced one of their own because the prosthetics do not look distinguishably different from real from real body parts. Oh, uh, okay. And I would have been way more interested in this series if that was what this was about. If it was, if it was a bunch of kids who like had the body parts of their friend just on them at all times, and then fucking that led to weird fucking ghost shenanigans or whatever. Or worse, whoever got the guy's right arm, it started talking to him like uh, hand puppets. <laughs> Kill them all. Kill the whores. Or, even worse, give one of these kind of series, just wakes up one night, the hand's just jacking him. Come on, it would not be out of the realm of fucking possibility for this shit. I will avoid the obvious joke about the hand feeling like a stranger's, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just a logical conclusion of what happened in fucking Parasite that we never saw on screen. Yeah. No, really, my hand is infected by an evil alien force. Yeah, I'm not doing this. My hand is evil. Stop it, hand. He's, he's using the wrong hand. That's what uh, Ash meant when he said it got into my hand and went bad. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole story with the demon thing was just him trying to cover for the for the arrest charges he got for indecent exposure for masturbating in front of the elderly couple down the road. Uh. Yeah, that's all I really got. That's all I got for this fucking one. It is, like I said, two chapters in, so I don't have a whole lot to go off of. As it stands, it is a more competently produced and more down-to-earth version of stuff I've talked about before. Yeah, it sounds like it could potentially learn to write itself better, unlike most shit you talk about in this context. Yeah, exactly. And I may give it like one or two more chapters, but it doesn't have that real good first hook. 
that, that like a lot of these series have. Because the thing that kind of keeps me going with a lot of these other series is either the artwork is ridiculous enough for me to fucking like for me to be dragged along by that, or the premise is ridiculous enough that I'm fine following it along until it becomes about time travel. Because that's what every one of these fucking goddamn books becomes. Just, oh no, plants have taken over the world. It's time travel. Oh no, fucking magical girls are turning everyone to zombies. It's time travel. Oh no, fucking goldfish. It's time travel. Oh no, BDSM Buddhas. First chapter is time travel. Did Gantz do time travel? I can't remember. No, they did cloning. Okay. Yeah, so anywho. Moving on from there is something else that is much, much, much different. Uh, Mary Grave. Is that spelled like Mary as in the action or Mary as in the person or Mary as in the state of being? Mary as in the action, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so with this one, um, in this world that they're in, this is a more, this is a, this is a much more of a Shonen series. Kind of just from the ground up, it is shonen as hell. But so in so in this world, um, demons are a thing. They are horrid monsters and also fucking like sentient people who are just kind of able to like make decisions and also be super evil. And okay. in this world, we are following a guy named Reisman Sawyer. <laughs> Excuse me. There, there's a name for you. Oh yeah, that's a fucking name and a half. So he is going out into the world to try to track down these ingredients for something called the Dead Man's Recipe, which is a spell to bring the dead back to life, or just create a mediocre internet podcaster. Hey, I will have you know, I am average. Given the amount of fucking podcasts that are out there, I am average. If this is a more curated market, then yes, I'd be mediocre. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so Dead Man's Recipe. Bring people back to life. Um, and yeah, Reisman's just kind of running around fucking trying to get shit. And he is this fucking... He is this fucking, like, really exuberant out there, real happy-go-lucky... Despite the fact that he dresses like someone from vamp, despite the fact that he dresses from somebody like from somebody from fucking zombie dust. You mean zombie powder? That's it. Uh, yeah, so it's a very tight Kubo design. Yeah, it's very yeah. The, he he has he has he has like very like scratchy like like somewhere between a cowboy and a tri corner hat, body covered in bandages, wearing this big ratty leather duster. With, like, fucking scars all over his face and shit. Okay. And he is, and he's just kind of like, and every time he rolls into town, he is this whole disruptive force of, like, actual somewhat joy. Despite the fact that everyone is like, yeah, we're going to fucking die, dude. Because despite the fact that apparently every other city he visits has the ability to cloak itself from demons... There are there are still like fucking thousands that just have nothing, but there are still villages that seem to be in relative, in a relative state of maintenance. Like like they are always until the demons attack, 
they are always fucking pristine and great and just this really weird fantasy medieval village kind of thing. And the demons roll in and all of a sudden there aren't any buildings anymore and everything's just fire. Like, like, do you mean like a jump cut or does it just like at some point not something happens in fire? No, it'll, it'll be like they're just kind of hanging out. Then all of a sudden ah, somebody screams up in the distance. They run outside and then there is like a thousand demons that no one heard or saw coming. Okay. And so okay. with this with this first village, um, everyone hides in this church, which is the only thing that can protect them from the demons. And then that does nothing. Oh, no. And yeah, so Reisman, he gets fucking got. Then it turns out he's immortal. Because Well, I mean, there's there's probably better ways to find that out. Yeah. And he is immortal because his wife had used the dead man's recipe on him, bringing him back to life. But in doing so, it killed her. So now he is going around trying to find the ingredients to bring her back to life. So, but if you were brought back to life with the dead man's recipe and it kills you to use it with someone who was already brought back to life from the dead man's recipe no longer be able to be killed by the thing that brought them back to life originally? I don't know. And that's kind of exactly the point that that's exactly the thinking that Reisman has. He's like, well, I'm immortal, so I can't die. So if this thing kills me when it brings someone back, it'll just get rid of my immortality. That's his logic. Okay. That seems kind of convoluted and stupid, but he's kind of stupid. Like he's written as stupid or it's bit. just he. Okay. Like, yeah, he does his best to help out people. He does like that. that he is, he is a well-meaning kind of dope. Okay. I, I mean, I liked Huck. I can deal with that kind of character. Uh, imagine if Huck was a bit more annoying. Okay. You're yeah. Right. And then imagine that he had a, imagine that, the, imagine that half the story is, Flashing back to Huck's mom, and his mom is infinity times more competent than Huck has ever been in his life. Because that occasionally happens. Every time, uh, every time fucking Reisman rolls up to a new area, he usually finds out that fucking somebody there, either an old person or an immortal being, fucking found fucking his wife had come through there previously and was like, Hey, and she was like, Hey, I need these ingredients. And they're like, all right, let's go fucking do this. And then she goes off and does it in one third the time it takes Reisman to do it. And then she just fucking moves on. Or we get to an area. He just, he just gets given the thing. And then we learn that his wife is the fucking God King of magic. Because his wife is the God King of magic. I, I'm sure that came up in the wedding vows. Um, actually, no. Yeah, they got married, and I think like what happened was when like there, there's a flashback that kind of shows how they met, how they got together, and what we learn is that she was actually the Jesus of a death cult, who then Fair she. So then she escaped the death cult and was just like, hey, yeah, I'm just going to go and do fucking whatever. I'm just a regular person who can't use no magic. Let's go to this fucking city. And they go there and they spend like the next fucking like 15, 20 years there. Get together, get married. Then Reisman immediately dies. 
And at some point in between there, she uses magic once. And her husband's like, yeah, that's cool, I guess. Fucking whatever. You want to, you want to, like, I don't know, fuck. Okay. And then that's kind of the basis of their relationship. Just Reisman does not give a shit about anything about her past. It's just, hey, it's it's the whole anime thing of you're you and I like you. So you're past. <sighs> I, I want to like this series a lot more than I do. Because it, it feels charming to me. Like art wise, it is a it is a it is a fairly standard like energetic shonen series. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into the backgrounds as well as like the design of everything. It everything does everything does feel very over designed in a very Japanese way, which is kind of a give or take for me. But it is like it is not so over designed that I find it annoying. Just kind of it's kind of like oh yeah, that's just that's just Japan. That's just anime with right there. Yeah, but even within like the over-designed anime-ness, there's still some like real bad archetypes that at some point, if anime really does them anymore, they might as well just be flat-out almost self-parody. Yeah, and to an extent, Reisman does kind of feel like that. He is such a well-meaning dope that it almost feels like they are intentionally shitting on the idea of, hey, this guy means well, but he's kind of stupid. But he means well, but he's stupid. But he really means well. He does a lot of good things, but he's too stupid to do them. But it's for the right reasons, but he's too stupid. Yeah, kind of. Same recursive loop, basically. Yeah, a little bit. And what we see of the... We haven't gotten like a super deep dive into the wife after Reisman died. Like, like we we get her as a kid meeting Reisman skip over the majority of their relationship till they get married. And then they're married. He's dead. <coughs> and then, and then from there we get like, we get like hints of what she is. And she, she just seems to kind of be just, she just seems to be a, a nice, well-meaning person who's competent. As opposed to Reisman, who's kind of, in, who's largely incompetent. Yeah, for for some reason we are not allowed to have. For some reason, writers can't write characters that are both well-meaning and competent. They either have to be dumb or assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like I guess because the 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 idea of a character who is both well-meaning and capable. Seems somehow unrealistic as a character. Must be a Japanese thing. No, I think it's just a fiction thing. Because we don't get a lot of them in Western media either. Like, yeah, we get them in, like, comic books. But a lot of people like to shit on Superman these days as being the super capable, wants to help everyone, people like him thing. That's why the popular versions of Superman are not uh, the comics version, Dead Man. They're shit like Injustice. Well, now the most popular version of Superman is Just League Animated. Yeah, and people have, and, but that's not a common. People don't write him like that outside of 
the comics that much anymore. Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. <laughs> well, people don't write him outside the comics very much anymore. Yeah, well, uh, I'm curious about that uh, Bruce Timm style animated Justice League versus the Fatal Five thing, which I think has Jessica Cruz in it. Yeah, yeah, uh, Limelight. They are in, they're introducing her as Limelight in that. It, they're calling her Limelight. I believe so. Why? Because they because Bruce Tim didn't want to call a fucking ninth character Green Lantern. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So with Mary with Mary Grave, um, like the writing is, the writing is competent enough. Like 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 they, it right now it is like in the early chapters, so it is largely like two to three chapter story arcs where he rolls into town, something bad happens. He does some magic shit and gets a party need and moves on. Uh, with the biggest change being that he got a traveling companion in the form of this weird dark fairy lady who just kind of hangs around with him, who was friends with his wife. Because of course she fucking was. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. And the newest, most interesting wrinkle is the fact that he just met his own granddaughter. Despite the fact that his granddaughter, despite the fact that his wife has been dead for like fucking 50 years. And his daughter, has his daughter been born? Uh, No, so so what it was was like he and his wife got married. They had apparently had sex at some point. After Reisman died, she moved. I just just didn't remember you mentioning a kid, so. uh, Yeah, because the kid kind of isn't important. uh, At least yet. Okay. Because she didn't give birth to him until after Reisman had died. So, oh, this plot's giving me a headache. In the more recent chapters, we learned that after Reisman died, she went around, began searching for the dead man's recipe, ingredients, found out she was pregnant, gave birth, and then fucking hunkered down with the kid for 15 years and raised him. Then after the kid turned like 15, 16, whatever, he found the recipe and then said, hey, go bring my dad back to life. So she left. Then 35 years pass. She brings him back. She dies. He puts her body in a coffin that he carries around with him. And then he begins his journey of finding the fucking ingredients. So he did not know he had a kid, did not know... That kid was old enough to have his own kid, who was at least 10, and didn't know shit about shit. Because A, he's a dumbass, and B, the only people who would tell him that stuff are dead. So, yeah. And if I'm being honest, this whole fucking, like, this convoluted thing that I'm doing a terrible job explaining is one of the more interesting aspects of the story. Uh, Okay. Yeah, like having the story be about a guy basically retracing someone else's footsteps to do the same thing that she did, but like fucking 50 years later, I find that kind of interesting. I I like the idea of like kind of almost circular storytelling. Which may just come from me really liking Persona games, and that's all circular talking. 
but yeah, the whole the whole thing of like, all right, so this person went on the journey, completed their goal, and then this other person is going on a similar journey, but is slightly different because time has passed. I like that, and I like the and I like the idea of of this whole of like you know meeting your fucking meeting your grandkid without all that other like I like that st- side of things. I just kind of don't like this a whole lot. It, like, 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 none of it connects in the right way. None of it feels really engaging. None of it feels. None of it really grips me. None of it really is able to elicit that much of an emotional response for me. Despite the fact that, like, this is this is ostensibly kind of a romance thing, and I feel kind of nothing. Like, we even get like, like I said, we get a chunk of their relationship where it is they meet. Time skip. They are friends and stuff. Time skip. They are like time skip. They are getting to, they get together. Time skip. They get married. He's dead. And I don't feel like getting a whole lot more information would really help with me with me like being emotionally invested in this relationship. But there still wasn't enough there in the relationship itself to be really engaging. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the death cult stuff also kind of just feels like nothing because it has well, no it, effect on the story. Well, even I mean, as a point of that, when I asked, uh, even when you told me what the character's motivations were and what his backstory was, I was still tempted to ask, what's the plot of this thing? Yeah, the plot is a very directionless D&D campaign. Like, yeah, the, I, like the only antagonist we have so far is this fucking lone swordsman dude who's going around collecting the same ingredients to do something that we don't know yet. And his whole thing is just, hey, you, hey, you're looking for the ingredients too. I must kill you. Why? Uh-huh. I need to get my wife back. Why? Because she's my wife. Okay, then what? Uh, I have to get rid of you. Why? Reasons. Yeah, there is. Nothing really driving it forward aside from character motivation, and the motivation of the character, while understandable, is not super engaging. Yeah. I mean, from the sounds of it, uh, I guess I'll talk about this later when I talk about the manga I'm referencing, but um, there are times when understanding a character's motivation still does not allow you to excuse it. Or, like, have that be all you need as, like, significant reason to be engaged in the plot. Yeah. And sometimes uh, writers use that to good effect. Other times, like what you're describing, it sounds like the writer uses it essentially as a crutch for not writing the story. Yeah. There is no real sense of a world in this story. There is no sense of immediate threat there's no sense of threat outside of the immediate one there is no sense of progression or build up outside of the obvious hey i've checked off more things on my list of things i need to check off moving on it's like why do you have that list reasons yeah yeah it's yeah it's like hey why do you have the list well in my backstory it says my wife's dead so eh? which is just it's yeah, it'd be nothing. really sad if the whole writing room for this was just a one giant shrug. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is sad because, like, like I said, I mean, it just sounds like you bones. like stuff it, it, like the setting and the care and to some of the character stuff. It sounds like you like. It's just that the world. There's nothing giving you the forward momentum to keep following it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's just kind of... kind of unforgivable, you know, particularly in a... Like, you and I have to consume a lot of regu- shit on a regular basis, and considering we can't just talk about the same shit over and over again to, to a certain extent, we kind of look for new stuff. Yeah. And you can't... If something doesn't have a, a hook to keep you engaged, and yeah, character stuff can be it, but it usually has to be like strong character interactions, not just like a backstory. Exactly. Well, actually, speaking of backstory or lack thereof, um, Battle yeah. Angel Alita. I started reading that. The movie is coming out, and from what I've heard of early buzz, it's actually got, it's actually pretty solid. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's got an incredibly, as everyone has pointed out in every, even the good reviews, it has an incredibly low bar to clear by saying it's the best Western anime adaptation ever made. Yeah, what's well, trying to be Ghost in the Shell and Dragon Ball Evolution? Well, I mean, Dragon Ball Evolution's bottom of the barrel. I think probably best of the best, sadly, is either like Ghost in the Shell or maybe... Uh... Oh, Speed Racer. Uh, if you count Speed Racer, okay. I fucking do. Speed Racer is great. Fuck you. Uh, I'll let you have that one. I love uh, Speed Racer. That movie is fantastic. It hurts my eyes. The best Wachowski is the best movie that Wachowski's ever made. Anywho, yeah. So before going into that, I wanted to at least get like a base understanding of what battle angel alita is because unlike with speed racer where speed racer is speed racer like for i feel like our generation was Speed racer is too simple like you don't really need a whole lot to understand speed racer well yeah yeah, it's, it's too simple but also it is like for us especially like our generation it is like for people before anime started really getting big out there it was what anime was for a lot of people yeah well, it's I, been around so it's been around so long that and it's been in the pop culture so long. Some people don't even remember it's anime. Yeah, like, yeah, like like anytime they're doing some kind of like joke about some like Japanese dubbing, they do Speed Racer. Like, I must go fight the monster for it. It's the monster that I must fight, huh? <laughs> that is some old fucking Speed Racer shit. But I knew next to nothing about Battle Angel Alita. So I just kind of, so I was like, all right, yeah, fucking, I might, it's coming out, look good. I might as well read it. What's it about? And it is a lot more cartoony than I thought it would be. Cause based on whatever image I, whatever like visuals I had seen going forward, it seemed like it was almost going for more of a ghost in the shell feel. Yeah, well, I think that's just a product of when it was made, because the anime, the OVA that uh, most that, unless you read the manga, most people only were familiar with a mid '90s OVA series that came out in the states around like '97 or '98, and that and it was made around the same time that Ghost in the Shell was. Not obviously the exact same time. The movie didn't come out till '95, but. Uh, 
contemporaries with the same kind of... It was the same basic anime aesthetic of the time. It's just Battle Angel Alita has been largely forgotten, whereas Ghost of the Shell is a cultural touchstone. Yeah, I read the manga. But but when I, when I meant like art, like uh, like there is a bunch of like splash pages that the people have used in like before any visuals from the movie had come out, people were using the covers of the people were using the covers of like the collected volumes, or they were using like splash art from inside, and it's it's like the painted image of Alita half destroyed with like <laughs> angel wings made of scrap metal. Yeah, mm-hmm. which that feels very gitzy to me. Like the, like the, this this kind of very portentous cyberpunk style that I kind of it, that they kind of like immediately draw parallels to fucking the Ghost in the Shell movie, like the original one, not that not that other one. But then I actually started reading it, and it felt it felt closer to standalone complex than the actual gets than the gets movie. In that it went way more manga than I than I thought it would. Like how gets how like get sack went a bit more anime than I expected. Because one of the problems I do have with standalone complex, and one of the reasons I like kind of I like the movie over the anime, is that the anime it felt like they it felt like they were going for these very big existential ideas about like cyberpunk and like cyberization and all that shit. But then they also had, they also had like the robot. They also had the robots who were like, yeah, I'm fucking wacky side character. Or, and then, and it's like, all right, so yeah, we got the shot of the major and let's just focus right on her ass and fucking fucking bulge. Yeah. That's sure. I'm for you. Yeah. And then looking at this, it is, there's a lot of stuff in here that wouldn't feel out of place in, like there's some shots in here that look like they were almost ripped straight from like an Ushio and Tora. Yeah, well again, same time period. Yeah. The so, original Ushio and Tora manga started in like 89 or 90 and ran until like 94. Yeah. And so a lot of sensibilities are, you know, in that. Um for those who don't know, uh Battle Angel Lita uh it is about a it's about a it's set in some kind of like cyberpunk future-ish thing. Uh, in the scrapyard, which is the surface of a planet directly underneath a giant floating city tethered to the ground. Where the people up top are like, oh, yes, we're hoity-toity and all kinds of fucking awesome and shit. Anything we don't want, we just huck over the side, which then goes to the scrapyard, where the fucking other the fucking people who aren't that gather all up and make their own fucking city. And we're following a doctor named Ito, who, while going out in the scrapyard one day, finds... The upper torso of a lady. Because in the future, it is entirely possible to be essentially a human brain inside a cybernetic body like the major. But it's not that big a deal. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone who's seen uh, even trailers for the Western movie knows that uh, cyborgs don't seem to be that big of a thing. Uh Uh-huh. Like the exact kinds of cyborgs, maybe could be something of a thing, but cy- cybernetics in and of itself does not seem to be that big of a deal. Yeah, cyborg is just kind of whatever. And yes, yeah, so we find this fucking body, um, begins putting it back together, 
the best he can. Like she wakes up and she has the memory of who she is, where anything's happening. And so he's like, Hey, I'm gonna name you Alita after my dead cat. And then begins trying to build her body back up and trying to get her back out there to be able to just walk around on her own. And from there, it turned from there. We begin learning a bit more about Alita. Largely through like, you know, disjointed flashbacks or just muscle memory that she has. Because one of the things that is set up in this world is that there are no cops or any kind of like law enforcement thing. It is all bounty hunters. Anytime anybody commits a crime, someone puts out a bounty on them and then just fucking whoever gets it goes out and tries to kill the person in order to collect the money. And the doctor put it together, Ito, he is one of these people. And based on the dialogue that he's given, he is just a straight up psychopath. The, the doctor that made, uh, that brought Alita back. Yes, because one of the lines of dialogue he says is, "I am a hunter because I go because I enjoy the thrill of killing." Well, I mean, you knew he was crazy from the moment you saw he, what he goes out to do at night is have a is have a trench coat, a hat, and a jet propelled hammer. Yeah, but it's it's still it was still weird hearing it actually vocalized in I only do this cuz I like cuz I like the visceral feel of ending someone's life. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those discord like I I've, I've read a little of the Battle Angel Alita manga and there is good stuff in it, mostly with Alita. Yeah. But there's some discordant notes that don't resonate all that well or at least they don't feel they feel like a product of the time, not like an essential part of telling this story. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I get that. Uh, one of the discordant things that really sticks in my mind is um, one of her first like big boss fights was against this guy called Makaku, who is a who is a head with a worm body that can overtake other people's robot bodies, and he eats the brains of living things. Oh yeah, uh huh. I remember this. And so then we get Alita and half of it, half of the, like the fight against him is just her doing her, her getting like these, her getting like the weird, like SD downed version of herself almost where her pants turned into like sweatpants or whatever. And she's just hopping around like, Oh yeah, no big things happening. It's just a giant fucking man who eats brains trying to kill me in literally the sewer of a sewer. Yeah. As he's like, hey, hey, what's up, bitch? I'm going to fucking rape you and eat this baby. The the sewer level to end all sewer levels. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I call back to Marygrave a bit. There's also I kind of have the same problem with this that I'd have with that, where there is it doesn't feel like there's any real momentum pushing things forward. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I would have to read inter- – I know Cameron has done interviews about why he liked Battle Angel Alita in the first place. I see a lot of – well, I don't want to say it's his own ego because a lot of this feels like stuff that was in existing Cameron movies before Battle Angel Alita came out. Uh-huh. But there's certainly a certain element of that. But at the same time, I think – more than anything, the world of Alita is more interesting to Cameron than the actual characters. And I'm not saying um, Cameron... You, you, I'm not saying you can't have a really interesting world-building situation and not build characters. Anime is often really good at that. Yeah. But a lot of times very iconic anime in the West particularly 
are more sort of known for style and imagery than characterization. But that's the thing with this. Like, all the imagery that I associate with the series just from the marketing of this fucking movie is imagery that has nothing to do with the tone or story of actual Battle Angel Alita. Well, yeah. Well, that's why everyone who hears James Cameron say the anime that really inspired him as a director and a creative force was Alita Battle Angels just caused everyone to collectively look to the right and left and ask, why? <laughs> yeah, and... But that's the thing, like, like actually, actually reading the thing, it it has decent characterization. Like I, like Alita, I understand her motivation. I understand what she's doing, and I like her. I like Ido. Um, mm-hmm. and the world itself feels pretty well realized. No, again, none of that's all. That's fine. It's just I there's just nothing happening really. Well, it's like for a, for a manga that ran for I think what must have been twenty years at least, because there's like 30 omnibuses yeah. across the three series. I don't know what the plot was. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did some like, I did some like, you know, secondary reading looking at other stuff that's going to be coming up, other stuff that's like happening in it, and yeah, even, even the fucking writer feels like they fucking didn't know what they were doing, because it starts out with Alita, she wants to become a hunter, which is the bounty hunter. Blech. She is like, hey, I want to do this. This is for me. I'm doing this. And then fucking, and then like the and then like, Ido gives her a body that was specifically designed for combat. And then at some point she gets really into motorsports. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, whenever I keep seeing the the battle derby ball stuff in the, in the trailers, I'm like, uh, was that part of the story? Or was that just something that happened? No, apparently that's a major part of the story. Uh, okay. Yeah, like she is a hunter for a bit, and then a character who, in what I've read of it so far, like you know, twelve chapters, a character who was recently introduced in the, in the like the first twelve chapters, then introduces her to <clears throat> the sport called motorball, and then that is a good chunk of the story. Yeah, I I don't know. This feels like a thing very much of its time where like stuff back then didn't really need to have a whole lot of driving force behind it. Like it actually kind of reminds me of at least in terms of like pacing and the way it handles story arcs and like villains and character and like story beats and stuff. It kind of reminds me of Fist of the North Star in that there aren't really story arcs yet. And any story arcs they do have are so short, they just kind of like happen so fast. They don't feel like they had any time to like leave an impact on you. It's just we start the thing, and and Alita is in this situation. By the end of it, she's out of it, and then we move on. Has time passed? I don't know. Has she advanced? Has the as the character advanced at all? I don't know. Has Kenshiro found a fucking antagonist? I don't know. I know I say this a lot. Like, for momentum, I use that phrase a lot when talking about these things, but I need that. I need something driving the plot in order to actually go along for the ride. If there is no plot, if there is nothing that the characters are working towards, nothing the characters are 
building towards, nothing the world is building towards, then there is nothing really keeping me reading. Yeah. Again, nothing bad about anything that's in there. It's just... Oh, no, it just, it needs something. It needs a hook. Yeah. It needs a story. And this this feels like a thing that is largely wrong with the way that the way that like manga is approached in terms of production. And this is this is solely based off of stuff that I have this is solely based off like, you know, observations and then stuff from anime and manga about making anime and manga. But the idea that like manga needs to be manga is made with the intent of it going on for years and years and years ultimately hurts like story because in order to set up something that will go on for decades you need to have you need to have either no endpoint or an endpoint that is so far in the future that you could potentially never reach it yeah and based on what i've read of battle angel Alita, this and both and last order the which i think is i think is the last series i can't remember off the top of my head sounds like it I, I think it went with the former. Yeah. So it's just stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Like with, with Alita, she seems perfectly fine where she is. Like she doesn't, like she doesn't have the fucking, she doesn't even have the vague motivation of like, I want to be the queen of the robots. It's just, my name's Alita. I'm cool with this. The biggest fucking the biggest like obstacle or want that she had up until now was I want to be a hunter. Now she has one. Okay. Now just kind of meanders through just the, the day in the life of this fucking robot. Well written and well drawn. Well, kind of well drawn. This artist and I maybe maybe it's maybe it's another thing of the times, but this artist does not understand how to do like proper sequential storytelling. Because this is some weird, like there, there have been multiple times where I've been re- where I was reading this, where it felt like the actual direction I was supposed to read the panels got reversed. Okay. Where we're like, all right, so yeah, fucking, like in the big fight against Makaku, he goes to punch her, or like goes out to grab her, and then suddenly she is, and then like she jumps up and dodges his hand. Then her, then then we get a close up of her hand on top of one of his fingers. Then suddenly she's swinging up from underneath one of his fingers. And then she has release from the finger, but is in a situ, but is in like positioned in the air in such a way that she literally could not have gotten. And it looks like she's falling in the reverse direction of the actual movement of the scene. Like this is some real fucking like '90s sequential storytelling shit right here. Like image '90s, not anime '90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just bodies don't make sense. The momentum doesn't carry. Heads. <laughs> the heads are... anime has head proportion problems in general, but Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. yeah, it is it is ludicrous. <laughs> and yeah, so they're like when it's just when it's just like characters kind of standing and talking, he does a fine job with that. Like ne- like never like doesn't really break the 180 rule. He has a decent sense of like space within the world that he like within like the scene that he set, um, the there are a lot of there are a lot of panels that just have like no backgrounds, so just pure white with the character head, which it bugs me, but I 
can understand it a bit more in manga, I guess. Okay. They they do they do a lot more of just kind of like reaction shots of the person like looking directly to camera with a very wide expression on their face, and it's just supposed to be like, hey, here is like, hey, here's the fucking ending stinger of this chapter or this story beat, and then next thing we get back into like establishing shots and stuff. And so I can understand a bit more there, but there'll be times in this where they're where people are just kind of standing talking, and then they're standing in a white void of nothing. And then yeah. next panel, they're back in the workshop or wherever. Yeah, I don't know if that kind of thing is just uh, laziness to like not have to draw backgrounds to, uh, or it's just couldn't remember what room they were in. Put in a panel where there was no background and get, to give them time to remember where. Oh, right, they were in there. Phew, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, if they didn't put in that one spacer panel, they never would have been able to go. They never would have been able to remember and actually draw the sequence. Yeah. Or it's the Matrix where every time they need to have a meaningful conversation about philosophy, they leave all rooms and just are in a white void. Yeah, the world can't handle the the, the, the world the cyber world they're in can't render the background and philosophy, so they need to choose one or the other. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate that uh Fallout seventy six was their uh operating engine. Oh god. <laughs> the world just kept destabilizing. Yeah, eventually Alita managed to make it to the fucking like hack room where all the where all the store items were available for free. Well, yeah, that's where she got her battle angel body. <laughs> you wasn't supposed to get that that early. It's supposed to be like an end of the series type thing. <laughs> yeah, like that. That was supposed to be the thing she goes to fight the final boss in. But then they realized they forgot to program a final boss. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Bethesda. You fucking nightmare people. Yeah. That's what I got. Hopefully the movie actually has like a plot. And I'm going to, and I'll say it like, I'll say this like, yeah, I did get the very uncanny valiness of fucking Alita at like in those first trailers, but I like seeing more trailers and, Getting a bit more context, I kind of like her design the movie. Yeah. No, I don't hate her design. I have to see the movie to see if it works. Like, the, the, the first trailers were the most awkward, and it's kind of gotten better. I'm curious whether or not they did sec- secondary or tertiary or even quaternary animation passes again after that first trailer. Oh, yeah, they, they probably did. Cause like that was like early footage, wasn't it? Or, or like the very least they um, like, they like finished principal photography and we're just like doing. Yeah. When, when was that first trailer released? Was that early last year? Uh, I think. Let me check. Alita. Cause I know the, uh, uh, the Alita anime got pushed back several times. The, the movie got pushed back a couple times. Okay. So the First trailer came out around December 2017. Okay, yeah, so it has been a while. Yeah, and that, and they probably, and they, yeah, and considering that the release date was originally for like June or July of last year, and uh-huh. it, that would push back to February of this year, I'm guessing they probably, in addition to adding more trailers, added a couple more passes on the animation to try to make it look less. Oh God, why? Oh yeah, like like but that that, that point uh, they were still like in deep in post production because the 
Because from the looks of it, a uh, shooting actually wrapped up around February 2017. So, like, yeah, they were into pre, they were into post production, but it was still post production takes a while, especially with a something like that effects heavy. Listen to us talking about movies like we know fucking shit. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, we don't. We just shit on movies. Yeah. Sure, sure. I felt like Titans available now. Does well. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Doom Patrol coming soon. No. Anyway. Uh. Uh, that's that's all I got. Yeah. Okay, so if you couldn't tell from how I started this show and how I'm still kind of talking like Harvey Firestein occasionally, I have been sick most of the week. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, part of that is you need to spend time healing, and since it was been a cold, there was a fever and fever dreams. So I'm not entirely sure if I watched this or if it was a fever dream I had. So wise. Right, that fucking thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so Cora wrote about this, I think. Uh, yes, yes, he did. I am pulling that up right now. And uh, he had been showing me shit from it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah, like, e- yeah. even... Before he actually sent me the thing of like, hey, I finished the review. Can you just give it a once over? He posted an image in like our Discord server and it was just this. It was this fucking cacophony of just bright colors, weird doily runic symbols, CG bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you said, Speed Racer hurt your eyes. Motherfucker. Yeah, no, I, I, I still stand by the fact that Speed Racer hurt my eyes. It's got nothing on this. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, okay, yeah, he... So he gave it a 1 out of 5. Yeah, that sounds about right. Based on everything I've talked with him about. And... Uh, t- oh, God damn it. Oh, God, that looks... <laughs> Even in stills, like, there are a lot of shows that don't do great in stills. This I don't one, think there's any way. I don't think there's any way this could look good. Exactly. Like, like the, the, the image he fucking sent. That's in the fucking review. It's the third image in there. If anybody's interested in looking at it. Oh my god! It's like a bad Photoshop. Yeah. <clears throat> I can only imagine that thing moving. Yeah. And having so I watched it myself and. I can't tell if this this statement is going to make Dead Man cry or laugh. I feel like when it, okay, so for context for people who don't know, uh, two years ago, uh, Gohan's the studio that released Wise uh, made a little anime in January of 2017 called Handshakers. It was immediately and widely condemned and parodied as one of the worst anime in recent memory. And everyone was like, well, no, no, no more of that, please. Absolutely not. <laughs> and 
Then, two years later, Gohan said they're releasing a new anime, and they're like, okay, well, what is it? And then, within the first minute, they say, go, go on, all you handshakers. And everyone just clicked and went, no. Yeah. No. And then, everyone, once they realized, yes, Gohan's was like, okay, our answer to no one liking handshakers, more handshakers. And... Yeah. To make it even worse, um, okay, I'm trying to focus. This thing makes me, my head hurt in multiple ways. Um, Look, just pick just pick a spot within the frame to just focus on. That every time things get starting crazy, you just kind of go back to that one frame. Uh, yeah, but in a, so I was I, I was assuming once I found out that it was indeed a continuation of the Handshakers universe that it was just going to to the Okay, well, the smart thing would be to not make more handshakers, but if you are determined to make more handshakers, the smarter decision would be to pull a soft reboot and, like, largely ignore the plot of the previous anime that no one liked or wanted more of. Yeah, go the Bumblebee route. Yeah, but Gohan's uh, made a new plot with new characters that constantly reference and expect you to be aware of every single plot thread that happened in the original Handshakers anime. They are really, they fucking, they were fucking dug in on this fucking hill. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Was Handshakers, so what, so Handshakers, was that, that was an original thing from Gohan's and the director and writer, right? Yeah, it was an original IP. Would that be why? Like, 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 because Gohan's. It seems with with a, with a studio name like Gohan's in a, in a series like in a series named like Handshakers. That seems like the kind of thing that would be a passion project for the studio. Yeah, I imagine it must be a passion project, but it's it must be. It's like if um, it's like if Tommy Wiseau had made the room. And everyone had then immediately, like the world did, tell him The Room was a terrible movie. And then got studio funding and backing to make The Room 2, like, a direct sequel spinoff to his original movie with him somehow still starring despite not being the main character anymore. Like he's his own twin or something. Yeah, what... (sighs) Okay, was... Uh, so I'm looking at their. I'm looking at the fucking filmography of of Gohan's. Oh, that won't help you much. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't because I have heard of nothing on this goddamn the thi- fucking thing. The the thing I liked most that they did was the three movies in the uh, Mardok Scramble trilogy, and that's still not saying much because that's been largely forgotten. Yeah, the other thing they seem to be like super down on is K. Yeah, and I, I'll get to that later. Okay, good. Um, But, and this is the thing, this is, and now that I've explained why the plot makes no sense, I'm not going to try to explain the plot of this thing. I don't know what the plot of this thing is. That's fine. I don't think anyone cares. Um, the thing that I think is the reason Gohans wanted to make this, and you're going to either laugh or cry, I think Gohans really wants to be Atlas Studios really badly. Oh, honey. Just that—that's that, all I can really say. Just oh, honey. 
Yeah, like I said, that's either going to make you laugh at how how ludicrous that goal is, or how sad because it's pathetic that they would even think they have the same talent level. Yeah, but and- all I and to, to add to um, my rationale for this, um, Handshakers came out in twenty or, uh, January twenty seventeen. Uh, three months after Persona 5 came out in Japan in 2016. Yep. And the anime that most reminds me of Handshakers that they did previously, K, came out in summer of 2012 when Persona 4 came out in Japan in summer of 2011. Oh, honey. Like that that's that's some that's some conspiracy level thinking on my part and I'm sorry about that but I'm just trying to understand. No, it's it's an entirely plausible explanation. Because and, and the reason I keep saying Atlas is because they have the same like obsession with style, the same like combination of like <laughs> classical jazz elements into the to the score with like characters with over-designed suits and weird quirks but unlike atlas they don't know how to write characters so these characters are nothing but quirks what are you laughing about uh just what little i have seen of wise and just referring to any of that as style they think it's style Oh yeah, I'm sure. And there's probably someone out there who thinks, "Hey, eating all eating the fucking firing caps with these bullets is a good idea." <laughs> yeah, well, it's in. I was once I watched the episode. I was talking to Cora, and we were okay. So the most infamous of the bad animation elements uh, in this was what Cora sent you, which was uh, okay. So that more so than even. Po- both Handshakers and Gohans have this problem of really poor integration of 3D CG animation with traditional bad 2D animation. And the image Korra kept coming back to was a 3D uh, a CG animated mask supposedly being worn on a 2D animated character's face. And it seems to just be floating disconnected to, to anything. Yeah, it... Even based on the image, it seemed like they just fucking animated out the whole scene and then took the 3D asset, didn't didn't like do any kind of like, you know, motion track or anything, just essentially like keyframed it so that her eyes were in the fucking eye holes and then just hit play. Yeah. And but that was just the most infamous. There was a lot I was having fun with, like how this one girl answers the part her smartphone and she appears to be listening to the button at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, there's a guy who's um, trying to pat his son's head, but it looks more like he's polishing his son's invisible halo. Yeah, that, there's a lot of that. I remember. I remember uh, the, the one the thing that always comes back to my mind of just the first time I super noticed how terribly they tried to sync up CG and animated traditionally animated stuff was in was in Mirai Nikki. Yeah. When one when one Another of the characters was yeah one of the characters was walking and he had his walk cycle with like the whole Bob thing it was a it was a, like a very it was a very tight shot from like you know neck up yeah uh, 
And so it's him walking, having the bob at his walk cycle, and then the phone seeming to have a separate bob from a different walk cycle. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, you didn't even try. <sighs> yeah. Oh, and I'm just going to pose this in the chat. Uh, there's no way for me to tell the audience how this, so I just have to describe it to Dead Man and show him. Uh, beyond the fact that the episode titles for this show are terrible, um, they deliberately use incorrect random um, capitalizations for every episode. Oh, good. They're titled. written by a YouTube commenter. Yeah. So what I just posted to Dead Man in the chat is not a mistake. This is literally how an episode title looks. For reference, it is called Four for Force. Yes. Which I have no idea what that means. And the F-O-R in every word is capitalized. Yes. So it is Mm -hmm. capital F, capital O, lowercase u, capital R, then four, all caps, then four, all caps, (laughs) C-E. And I thought I was bad at titling things. As you see, as you sit here listening to the deathdoorprods.com anime podcast. <laughs> on the website, uh, Deathdoor Prods. The name I half came up with when I was 16, and then by the time I realized it was terrible, it was too late to change it. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but, yeah, okay, so you asked about K. Yeah. It's like I mean I I could keep talking about this, but I kind of don't want to. Like the only thing I'll say about this is uh it it's so it, it to add to the ego, I don't I'm going to check this for sure, but I think all of the music in it are original tracks from people at Gohan's that they just have the main character who is a DJ play and everyone in the series treats it like it's the greatest jams ever. Like, one guy puts it up to his pregnant wife's belly to help the baby grow. Yeah. And it's just, like, really light J-pop club banger shit. And I'm like, From really? the looks of it, um, it's it's credited in, uh, on Wikipedia at least, as featuring music by various EDM artists. Yeah, it says that on the Wikipedia page, too. So, it, so okay, so then they're just playing fucking lazy. They just found random. Or maybe that was like a write-in by the EDM artists who contribute their music. It's like, if you're going to use my music, you have to have everyone convince, uh, convince the reviewers that this is the greatest music ever made. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually see if I can find some of these EDM artists. Yeah, but anyway, I'll, while you're doing that, I'll talk about K. So K, uh, like I said, came out in 2012. And... KC, like, I mean, for me, the anime I like most from them is Mardok Scramble. But the, for a lot of people, the anime that people seem to like the most from them is this, K. And based on just what little of K I've watched, K should not have been, like, a praiseworthy moment. It should have been a warning. <laughs> it should have been a warning to the world that these same people, if they're not working with ridiculously high-level budgeting... 
on a because like that's what I told Cora is like go hand, go uh, handshakers and um, Y's are what happens if you make K with no budget. <laughs> because K also has annoying filters and way too much over editing and just pretentiously stupid amounts of style with uh they I mean this thing thought it would be absolutely necessary to budget a scene where they animated a fisheye lens scene watching a guy on a skateboard approach someone he's about to attack. Noise. Uh, but okay so i looked it up so the music is largely contributed by the music is done by a label called goon tracks okay it is a japanese label that according to their website is quote dedicated to introducing high quality groundbreaking hip-hop artists to the cool people in japan okay and whatever some of the artists that are included in the y soundtrack include acro jazz laboratories afro soma a June and J Beat X October. CM Smooth. G- DJ Chica, aka Inherit All Caps. DJ Riao, aka Smooth Current. Mike B, aka 73 Pike Set. Re Plus, Soul Chef, Still Caravan. 216 project, all one word, and more. Yeah. Those are some fucking names. Yeah. But again, uh, there's an anime I've been watching last year or so whose uh, theme song was written by a band called Bump of Chicken. So. Fair. You never know with Japan. Yeah, that, they're fucking, that shit gets fucking weird, man. Yeah. So... Here is the plot of K to the best of my understanding. Uh, an insufferable blend of uh, anime submissive uh, boy love character tropes uh, is an amnesia. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. That's. As soon as you were saying that, I began seeing bubbles around the frame of my vision. Yeah. Uh is apparently someone who murdered the head of one of these two gangs. Woo! But he has no memory of it. Right, so the series is we follow the protagonist being a mafia hitman who's out to kill this kid, right? Please? Uh, Maybe, uh, because there appears to be more than one episode, but the the first episode ends with a main character uh, with a sword to his neck being told by someone, uh, you murdered my boss, so I must kill you, as we cut to a... Uh, video footage of someone who looks exactly like the main character killing this person's boss. Oh, so God, Jesus. Yeah, like I like, remember when I said people should not have looked at Kay and said, "Oh, we should give these people more money." People should have looked at them and said, "This is a warning. Don't do this again." Yeah, and it'll be a lot of fun when we look at it and warn people in the. Present. I don't know. I'm probably gonna make us watch this at some point before you disappear. But th- but this is the most prolific thing they've done because like this has a movie, a sequel series, a video game spinoff. Yeah. So the- so K coming soon. All right. Whatever. It's free on Netflix, so I don't have to do anything to get it. Fucking. We might as well, man. We need something. <sighs> but like I. 
like Cora had told me that he didn't like how K looks and what and I get what because it's got a lot of the same problems that Gohan's and that Gohan's had in Handshakers and Wise, but it's just they also have far less CG in K, both because of when it was made and the fact that it was clearly made for a much higher budget. Uh huh. So when you take those same people with those same bad sensibilities and give them the budget of like say a '60s Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> Then you end up with handshakers and wise. It's like, all right, so the money that we have, it was going to go toward a new season of Digimon, but we spent half of it on food, so here you go. Yeah. <laughs> it is a. I'm going to have to redefine what I consider ghetto in anime because up until now, for me, ghetto, like the epitome of, yo, this shit is fucking ghetto, is. To animate, to animate a tree blowing in the wind, it is, all right, we have a still picture of a tree. We took it in Photoshop and warped it a bit. We're now going to crossfade between those two things, and that's the tree blowing in the wind. Yeah. Not going to have to re-edit that, yeah. too. Not going to have to re-edit that, too. All right. This thing is ghetto. Look at this fucker's mask. It's not yeah, even a mask. Yeah, well, I mean... Like, if you want to define ghetto with current anime, you have to ask certain questions like, question one, how much 3D animation are they using? <laughs> two, how well do they integrate the 2D animation, the three, the 2D and 3D animation? Three, how many actual frames of people moving are on screen and not just mentioned? Four, is the first episode already off model? So what you're saying is the new Berserk is the new standard of ghetto. I don't know, like because Berserk, as bad as it is, is all C is all 3D animation, and it, is is that Polygon? I don't think so, because I don't like Polygon. Po- I do not like Polygon. It looks worse than what Polygon does. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk about Polygon in a second. Also, actually, I might save that for last since that's the most negative. Unless you want me to end positive, it's whatever. All right, yeah. So the new, so the twenty sixteen Berserk series, uh, it is done by three studios. Uh, well, that that's always a good sign because apparently, apparently, you need three studios to make that. But yeah, so it is a uh, Gemba, Malepensi, and Leiden Films. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Leiden Films, a studio that, based on what the, based on fucking what I look at them, the other thing, other of uh, the other thing, other thing of note they've done was the heroic legend of Arslan and Terraformars. Yeah. Which oh, and they fucking did Killing Bites. What the hell? Yeah, no, Light Light Leiden Films. You remember how much you said you liked uh, how the first episode of. Um, Hanabato looked, even if you were, thought the story was a confusing kind of atonal mess. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Like, that's why Leiden Phil's confused me because, like, I like how Killing Bites looked, and I, if, I really think you should watch at least an episode or two of Killing Bites just to tell me what you think, just so I'm not talking about it just by myself. Yeah, I probably will. But it, it's on the fucking docket. Yeah, 
But so, but if, once you told me Lydon Films was also involved in uh, Arson, I was like, oh, maybe they handled the CG for that. Oh no. <laughs> Because the, my biggest problem with the Arslan anime was that there were so many like, uh, what do you call those thi- those characters that you have on like the on the Nintendo Wii? Mies. Yeah, that's like a, thousands of Mies fighting t- as a cluster. Yay! <sighs> oh, doesn't love you, fucking. Oh, doesn't, doesn't love Mies. Mies is the bestest thing ever. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so I have gone further down the Gohan's rabbit hole than I intended. Yeah. Fuck Gohan's. Gohan's is shit. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. So I have two web Korean webtoons to talk about. Nice. Uh one idiotic but fun the other mature and heartfelt although occasionally rather dark and depressing um so the dumb one first oh uh iron ladies okay i i think i've seen this kicking around possibly uh so the reason i say it's stupid is because to me iron ladies is basically an anime take on the question, what if Starship Troopers didn't know it was a joke? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because the our main character um, is a undergrad is a uh, undergraduate college graduate with a bachelor's in history who okay. can't find a job. Because all the jobs are going to the military to fight in these giant wars against bug monsters, Buddha creatures, and uh, and robot men on, in other galaxies. And for his quadrant of space, there are three naval fleets that fight for funding and power in the star systems. Uh, they are each led by a hot, crazy woman with battle armor. Naturally. Uh, and... The uh, battles run, and these women are called battle angels, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the titular, um, but I'm Tish Iron Ladies. Yeah. Uh, and the battles that these Iron Ladies fight on these other planets against these hor- horrible monsters are live-streamed with color commentary by uh, snarky, douchey men. God. This sounds insufferable. And the main character, um, having no other options, submits an application to the military. At which point, he is given the cho- given told to be the uh, told to be the admiral of one of the fleets because he's the only person in the military with a bachelor's degree. <laughs> Are you sure this doesn't know it's a joke? I think because it takes itself too damn seriously after this point. <laughs> oh god. That's kind of great. That's like some fu- that's like an idiocracy joke. Yeah. <sighs> it, so a- after a few chapters of him getting uh the main character getting to know 
uh, a uh, the chick he has had a crush on since he knew how to use porn, who is the battle angel of one of, of the fleet he's now the admiral of. Uh, it, right before his first mission, a couple of the other douchey guys on the ship, who are all, of course, the sons of noblemen, uh, decide to set, to step to him and his, we don't like you and your liking other people ways. Yep. At which point, uh, they toss him into the, uh, what looks like the ecto glue, the ecto goo from Ghostbusters 2, which is the, uh, uh, creature blood that all of the iron ladies bathe in to get their battle suits, <laughs> but uh, supposedly no men can dive into it. And they demonstrate this by knocking out one of the guy's teeth and watching it disintegrate in the juice. So yeah, they kick him in. Sure. At which point, uh, the only uh, battle angel suit that wants a man comes out, who also happens to be the most powerful. So you, you see what I mean? Why it starts taking itself too damn seriously? Yeah. Yeah, this is... <laughs> if this had kept up the tone of, even bachelor's degree, you're fleet admiral. Wait, what? Well, you see, and that's why... I'm, there are elements where they keep up the um, the the joke elements because, like I said, they're still having the color commentary and the situational satire and stuff like that. And because no one believes it's possible for a male to um, have it to have powers to have these powers, um, after his first fight, when footage of him leaks, uh, he uses his powers to create a literal Rule 63 version of himself. Nice. So everyone sees... Oh, the only thing everyone sees is a giant hot chick whenever he's fighting. <laughs> oh my god. This... Oh god. Yeah, it's like the writer, it's, no, it's, it's like the writer of this went in trying to make a Starship Troopers or, or like, but something that is like way more or like something that was more outwardly comedic than Starship Troopers and less satirical. But then mm-hmm. forgot the joke halfway through writing it. Yeah, I would agree with that assertion. And well, of course, because he ruled 63 himself, he he thus ruled 34 himself, too, by accident, because there was, of course, inevitably porn of himself in his fight scenes. Yeah, fucking of course because Because he rules 63 himself. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> it's like, oh, a woman. Well, let's draw 5,000 dicks in her. <laughs> Just anybody who has ever put a picture of yourself on the internet. If you are hot, someone has put a dick in your butt. Yeah. Like I said, that's why I was trying to remember. I knew I remembered the rule sixty three thing off the top of my head. I couldn't I, for a second. I couldn't remember what the rule was that porn of it exists off the top of my head. I had to think about it for a second. But yeah. you see why I'm confused. Like I'm like this isn't necessarily bad. It's just not really all that good because it doesn't realize it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from. And the other, the only other thing that I think was kind of worth mentioning, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but uh, it looks like every villain in the series has a soul patch. <laughs> if this series was more comedic, I would expect that to be a joke. Just it would be better if all the things were like Chet. 
Well, they're all Chinese characters, so no, but, uh. Okay, the chi- uh, whatever the Chinese equivalent of Chet or Sebastian or Xander is. Yeah, but it was just funny that, like, over the course of the chapters I read, I was like, how have the last six out of seven villains had a soul patch? <laughs> Did the one who didn't have a soul patch have a backward baseball cap and a acoustic guitar out in the quad? No, it was a woman. Ah, okay. <laughs> Man, what's the female equivalent of a soul patch? I don't know, thick eyebrows? Like Heihachi eyebrows? <laughs> did she have Heihachi eyebrows? No, no. Did she take? Did she take the main character through a volcano for being too weak? I think. I think the writers too interested hot chicks to make any chick, except like an ancient woman, look that unattractive. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, what, what if? What if? What if even that was like too like not like too good? Like, like there's like introduce like a seven like a ninety five year old woman. It's like, well, Shani, I'll tell you what's happening. They cut over, and it's just fucking like, just the hottest person ever. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the future they live in. It's like freezing. Yeah. Oh God, <sighs> freezing. Yeah, I keep. I, I haven't read freezing in a while. I just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, I. Once they went to the other dimension and explained what the Novas were, I was like, I think I'm done. I didn't get that far. Yeah. Do you want the last do you thing, want me to tell you want me to tell you it's stupid? The last thing I remember happening in freezing was everyone was addressed for a cocktail party, then everyone got dismembered. Okay, I remember where you are. Like, like it was after they'd introduced like the other nine thousand characters who were all more powerful than fucking yeah, so Satellizer? The, is that her fucking name? Yeah, the uh Oh gee, yeah, uh-huh. The main character. The the main female the main character. love interest. Yeah, main female character. Yeah, the one who got it, raped by her brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The fuck yep, 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 Why did yep, I read yep. Freezing for so long? Uh because the art was good and you like violence. But there wasn't even time the, travel. Yeah. It was just a bunch of women being horribly disfigured. Yeah. Or, you know, assaulted one or the other. Yeah, just a, just a bunch of women having horrible shit happen to them while a bunch of fucking young boys are sitting on the side just going, oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think Iron Ladies really sounds like something you would read, Dead Man. It's just... <laughs> I was confused by, like, okay, I thought this was a joke, but you don't seem to be playing this like it's a joke anymore. But you keep having these elements that seem like it's supposed to be a joke. Or are you just this stupid? I'll probably check it out. Like, I've been, I've, it's, I keep seeing it pop up and up in my feeds that eventually I'm just going to cave and just go, hey, let's fucking read this. Which is how I find every series that is horribly violent. Yeah, fair enough. And like 50-50 chance of it being really misogynistic. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. There's plenty of violence in this, too. I mean, I figure they're at war. Yeah. But anyway, um, so on to the uh, good, legitimately good, I guess I should say. The other's good in other ways. Um, 
the other good uh, Korean webtoon I read called, uh, and this is an unfortunate title, which reflects the weirdest part of the series for me, A Lady and Her Butler. Okay. So, the beginning of this story is the part I have the most problem with, because it feels like an awkward way to get around the nature of the two characters at the start. Okay. And get them into a position where their char- their relationship can grow. So, uh, oh, what is her name? Uh, Shuwa, I think is her name. They, she's uh, a businesswoman, very successful at a company in South Korea. Um, she keeps being asked out and like involved in relationship, or people try to keep trying to involve her or, in, themselves in relationship with her. She's like, yeah, no, I'm good. Don't don't really want to do that. But at the same time, because she's never been in a relationship and has not really expressed any desire to, she's lonely. And uh-huh. because she's a 30-something woman living by herself in Korea with a full-time job, she doesn't really have much time to take care of herself all that much. Uh, enter uh, Taiso, a guy who got scammed by someone who, gave, who made a copy of Horowski and sold it to him for a year's rent to a house and then disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, sure, that's a scam. Yeah. I think, like, fuck, so, what? what? It, that, is a weird, that is a weird scam to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Like, I, it, like, I guess it, it looked like um, he, he was promised rent for a year in this place if he set this amount of money up front, so he was sent the key and the address without being told that someone already lived there. Which I guess housing scams like that exist. It's just a weird one from an, a Western perspective. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but because of this situation, Tyso finds himself with uh, no money for food or lodging. So he uh, begs this woman who he... Uh, before had been knocked out because he had used her key to get into her house without her permission. So he, of course, looked like an in- he, he was an intruder. So she knocked the shit out of him with a frying pan. Naturally. Um, once the situation was explained and she understand, he, uh, his first guy's like, please let me stay here. Like, I'll like clean laundry and do stuff. And she's like, don't care. Get out. So he's like, uh, okay. So she got he got out. Uh, next day, uh, she got up, looked outside. He was gone. Felt kind of bad about it since she knew he wasn't necessarily a bad person, but she didn't really want someone who had broken into her house to stay there. Yeah, naturally. Um, uh, and th- this is the awkward part. So after she left, he came back, uh, went in, uh, f- fixed up her place, prepared food for her, and then was about to leave when she came back. And she was about to call the cops, but then she noticed that he's a much better cook than she could ever be. And she kind of put up with him for the night. And then the next day they kind of tried to reach some sort of agreement, although he had to kind of convince her. And this is the most awkward part. He had to sort of convince her for the first few chapters that he was gay. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking what? Well, because uh, the part of the reason she probably wouldn't have wanted someone who broke into her house to stay at her place is because he was uh, a man 
And he had also had a history of being falsely accused of sexual harassment. So he <laughs> assumed it would probably work better if he had. Yeah, I can. I, I'll get to that, and it's because that, that's actually not just like a quirk of his character; it's a major storyline. Yeah. Okay. So, but like that, that's to say, like like I said, this first part of the story is super awkward, and they move past it pretty quick. So that by up chapter, I think forty, they're a couple. Oh, okay. And the story start. Yeah. Okay. Actually, good. I was gonna ask, like, do they fucking? Just cuck you on, like, yeah, they're yeah, no, together? No, they're not. Yeah. Then. yeah, you see, that's where, based on where it started, that's where I thought it was going to go. But basically, what this series does is it keeps having situations that seem like rom-com melodrama moments, but then it keeps doing the adult thing instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Like, um, uh, okay, so the main character... Uh, finds out, well, uh, uh, finds him uh, having a meal with someone he finds uh, that she knows, and she thinks he, she thinks he's cheating on her. So she confronts him and asks him about it. And initial for about an hour or two, he's tempted to just say, "We were just meeting for work," and she was initially satisfied with that. But he felt so guilty that he didn't tell her the whole truth. That within a few hours, he said, "Look, I, within a few hours, he said, look, I have to tell you the whole truth. That woman's my ex.'" Uh, she fucked me over in the past. Uh, she was offering me work because I haven't been able to find work for a while. Uh, we met after work to discuss it. That's it. And initially she was upset that he didn't tell her the truth immediately, but just by the end of the day, she's like, no, this is not worth being angry at you about. Wow, that that's actually really surprising. Yeah. I really want to read this now, fuck. Yeah. All right, and speaking of the the ex in question, this is so. This is I, when I talked about you, this. With, I think it was yesterday, might have been Wednesday. I don't remember which. Um, I mentioned that there was a character in the series who you can understand why she would do terrible things, but you can't excuse her actions. Uh huh. Okay, so this character, I think her name is Crystal. Um, she had been in a relationship with Tyso when they were in high school. But she came from a very poor background because her her family had crippling debt building up from her father having been in the hospital since she was like six. Yeah. And because of that situation, despite the fact that he was very loving for her and they looked to her and kept trying to help her and they shared a lot of interests, the stress of that situation kept building on her. But also, uh, when a job opportunity was presented, she used his work without her, without his permission to get a job. And when he was kind of ha- confronting her about this, someone walked in on the discussion and said, he, he was trying to rape you, wasn't he? And she initially wasn't going to say anything, but she then just kind of went along with that argument. Oh, wow, fuck her. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, no, th- th- that, she's a bad person. Yeah, and ha- so it's been about, how long has it been? Five years, I think, since that happened in story. And she is now, like, her, her father has finally passed away, so she can finally start paying off her debts. She's happily engaged to someone else. Uh, she has a position where she can make a lot of money herself. Uh, 
in the process of doing her work, she of course, so she, they work at a web design firm. So they have to often contract designers for artwork and stuff. Yeah. And his name came up as a potential candidate. And it, when once once she sought him out for his work, uh, she was she was like, um, "Look, I know I fucked you over, but you do good work, and I'm sorry that you've suffered so much because I was kind of a coward." Um, but I'm trying to help you. I know you hate me. Try to separate this work from what you've done and what we happened between us in the past. And initial and up to this point in the story, he's he's poor enough and desperate enough that he's willing because it is a good job that she's offering him. Yeah, it's just of course with this level of drama, I'm not sure anyone would want to take that job willingly. Oh God, no that is, that is a that is a terrible job to take. And she should be at least like, if not in jail, have like severe fines levied against her. Yeah. Well, you see that that's the thing. <clears throat> her poverty and like her life of poverty has just created this desperate, manipulative, anything to survive mindset. So that maybe she's not a bad person, but she will always do terrible things because she her poverty has made her inherently selfish. Yeah, neat. Don't accuse people of rape. Yeah, no, I understand that. No, that's why I said the reason I'm I the reason I described this character was I understand why you act the way you do, but I cannot condone what you do. Okay, yeah, okay, that that's what you meant. Okay, yeah, I get it. Now. Yeah. And and like I said, the reason I brought this up is because from looks the way the story's going, she's going to have to do it again because since she misrepresented his work as her own when she got hired, uh, she's having trouble recreating his designs, so she stuck back into his Dropbox to steal more of his art. <laughs> Wait, literally his Dropbox? No, but it's a it's a web server designed to back up your material, so it, okay. I just call it. It's, it's a Dropbox site of some sort. I know there's more than one. It's just it's the one we use for reference. Yeah. Uh, the art is very minimalist. But it's a lot of focus on facial expressions and character dialogue, and both of those sell. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, um, and from what I've seen, um, like just of it, it does have the it does have the very webtoons themselves are kind of like by nature kind of minimalist. Yeah, mm-hmm. most of them. Yeah, just instead of like panel layouts or page stuff, it is just we we put panels wherever the fuck we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what, from what I saw, this looks pretty good. Yeah, it, I, I think it looks good. Um, I will say it. I'm trying to use the official server, but this isn't. Well, I call it a webtoon. This is not on webtoon's website. This is on a different website, and unfortunately, on the website itself, you have to pay to read it beyond a certain point. Yeah, which so understandable. Understandable, but kind of annoying. Yeah. So, I mean, I got the rest of it from a site that's less choosy, shall we say. But I did try to read as much of it as I could on the legal site. Uh Uh-huh. Support your creators, people. Yeah. And and I'm sorry that I don't make enough money doing what I don't do to uh, physically support people, financially support people on a regular basis. Great. I'm sorry. but Trust trust me, dude. You're preaching the choir. Yeah. 
but I do wholeheartedly recommend the series. Uh, like based on and like the characters are likable. They're dealing with there's is- there's issues of like a to- of toxic mindset everywhere of different types like of just like desperation and obligation to make people do terrible things and like and the the main characters the main female character's mindset for the longest time was that why would I want to get involved with relationships because her mother a- after her father died was just in one terrible relationship after another and that was her mi- her viewpoint on relationships is like why would i get involved in that yeah but once she got in started getting into a relationship with taiso they well of course they were both awkward about it because he had had bad work with previous relationships and she had no previous experience yeah but they were both adults about it which is something that's very rare yeah that never fucking happens yeah (laughs) which is uh yeah we i've you and I, I feel, have ranted about this before. Uh-huh. Quite a few times. Yeah, I, feel, I, thought, I think I've also ranted about it with Caveman. Sure. But yeah, there's just, there's just not enough people who are actually writing relationships as relationships instead of just... But and instead, they're just writing... Just writing, hey, will these people get melodrama. together? Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. They're writing melodramas. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, uh, a series writing people as adults. I appreciate Shocking. that. Yeah, truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> but speaking anyway, of not, yeah, but speaking of not writing people maturely. Oh, I should put this off too long. I should have put the bullet in this thing's head a while ago. Oh. So Godzilla 3, the planet eater, <laughs> came out in early January. <sighs> yeah, I'm just going to sit back and let you just kind of go. <sighs> yeah. So in case anyone doesn't remember, this is from my favorite um, terrible writer, Urobuchi Gen. And this is the, I guess you could call, exciting climactic conclusion to this franchise. And I have to say that with as many air quotes and and question marks on this sentence as humanly possible. Because I don't think this writer knows what a climax is. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, crud. Like, I didn't like the other two, but this might actually be the worst of the three. (laughs) This... Oh, Christ, this is... This pissed me off. Um... uh... So, the plot of this one starts where the other one ended with Mechagodzilla City being destroyed... Uh, if you want to know about that, watch my our previous episodes. I remember discussed both of these in a previous episode of the anime podcast. Uh, and Haro, having chosen not to do whatever it takes, even become a monster to destroy Godzilla, because that's what the plot was. Do you want to become the Borg to stop Godzilla? Uh, he's feeling kind of hopeless and 
depressed, particularly since he was the only survivor and everyone else died. <laughs> but people who had avoided the conflict survived and they have now turned to the god of uh, the Exif, the ex-peoples, the people from planet X's religion for some form of salvation. And that's an even worse idea than the previous episode or movie, I guess. Because, <coughs> okay. So the biggest problem with this movie and all these movies is that Urobuchi Gen has good ideas, but is a terrible writer. Ugh. And the idea that most seemed like a good idea going into this was, hey, what if King Ghidorah was a Lovecraftian elder god? That sounds cool. And actually, the marketing material for the upcoming Godzilla movie in the States actually are kind of treating him like that. Yeah, well, I mean, in this case, it's literally like uh, Ghidorah does not exist in our universe unless someone attempts to imagine him existing in our universe by contacting outside of space and time. Okay. And he's portrayed in these movies, in this movie, as three giant golden head necks and with heads stretching out of um, multiple black holes that are just you know right right above the you the atmosphere of Earth, like all at once. Uh huh. Because you know that 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 won't destroy everything. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and. <clears throat> The moment where I thought this might be good <clears throat> was the one moment where they animated something. Because um, remember, this is Polygon Pictures, so, you know, animation is yeah. kind of not much of a thing. Who doesn't love the pearly <laughs> hand? The pearly gurgle is the best fucking animation studio. Oh, yo. The only thing they animated was Godzilla's initial attacks against Ghidra not working where... Because of Ghidra's Elder God powers, he uses um, fields of gravity to bend Godzilla's heat beam around and hit him with it. Sure. And that was eight seconds. (laughs) (laughs) In a 90-minute movie. Oh, God. Yeah. Just fucking, why? Why are you still watching these, man? Well, this one, because this is the last one. I just wanted to finish it off. And, oh God, this one is the worst of the three because it's the one where Urobuchi's ideas most just overwhelm any sense of telling an actual story to the point where... um. The argument that the main character is expected to fight against is the idea that because humanity constantly creates stuff like the atom bomb, which ultimately led to Godzilla, that it as a society should is is inherently doomed to destroy itself. So the only sensible solution is to just give oneself to a power greater than 
human humanity itself. In this case, Ghidorah. Yay, I love these stories. Who doesn't love the story about how humanity, no matter what we do, we're fucking trash. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the movie, when the main character ultimately decides not to go listen to his alien boy toy who who uh, has been manipulating him and to add to the dumb plotting elements they say oh planet x people have been manipulating and creating human society to end this way since the be- since the beginning of human society as a whole anyway oh fuck you and and, and the the dumbest moment in the series that best defines this is they have a a philosophical debate between the alien and the main character at Albert Einstein's desk with EMC E equals MC squared on the chalkboard behind them. Oh, fucking bite me. Yeah. Good fucking God. And the last 40 minutes of a 90 minute movie is mostly that. How the fuck did the guy who wrote Madoka Magica get the, get to hear? Psychopaths. <sighs> Remember Psychopaths? No, I never. Wa- I've never watched Psychopaths. No, but you've heard me talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I have. But like Psychopaths, it Madoka Magic is so fucking good. Yeah, like. Did he get like a Frank Miller style brain injury? I will say this. Um, fantasy is a little easier method for injecting your own philosophy into storylines than sci-fi. <sighs> because there, I, there's also, you can tell me if I'm wrong, if you're wrong about, if I'm wrong about this kid, dead man, but there's also no denying that the structure of Monica Magica's stories is designed around all of the characters that Madoka meets who talk about their own previous wishes. You see their reasoning, why they came to it, and the flaws in their reasoning, in addition to the mindset that uh, the evil little cat thing believes. Yeah. Like, am I wrong? No, no, you're not. And it's just that that's the best possible version of that kind of storytelling. Whereas these, I mean, the first movie, it's just, oh, a guy wants revenge against a tornado for all intents and purposes. Because I guess since they, since Godzilla's an animal, he can't, he has trouble disconnecting him from the fact that, oh, he's just a force of nature. Like even in the third movie, they have one of the, the bug people on the planet say, yeah, I'm scared of Godzilla, but I'm also scared of tornadoes and tsunamis. I can't really do anything about any of those. Man, the I kind of can't not do this. But I keep like every time we talk about anything Godzilla, I always compare it back to the Half Century War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Half Century War was my first real Godzilla thing. Like I'm not counting the fucking 97 Godzilla because that's not Godzilla. No, that's that's some that's Zilla. I think is what they call him now. Yep, yep, they call him Zilla. Yeah, but yeah, he like, exists to have his butt kicked. But yeah, Half Century War was my first introduction to Godzilla, and up until now, no Godzilla movie or Godzilla anything has been better than it. No, like the original one. Yeah, it had it. Like yeah, it was fucking seminal in terms of 
the genre that it made as well as just what it actually was about. Half Century War just I I just I just like it better. I yeah. it's Well, I mean, and this is my central argument against these movies and the reason why you like Half Century War is that unlike Urabuchi Gen is using these movies as an excuse to espouse his ideas. He is not espousing the these ideas by weaving a narrative in which he talks about these ideas. So I basically have watched four and a half hours of Urabuchi lecturing me on human philosophy instead of reading a 20-plus issue series talking about the human condition in the context of these characters of evolution and their relationship with, for all intents and purposes, a living catastrophe. Yeah, and the one guy's fucking dogged effort to make that fucking tornado look him in the eye. Yeah. Because, and that's the thing, and I said this when I talked about this with someone else who had read and watched and liked all three of these movies. Apparently since Monica Magica or Abuchigin has not remembered how, has forgotten how to write characters. <laughs> Because like the only the only human character in this movie is the main character, and I don't like him because he's a boring Sasuke stand-in. Yeah. But uh, uh, two out of the three women in this series get fridged. <laughs> nice job, Gen. And and the third only exists to um, allow the main character to feel sad and procreate. I'm glad we never have to talk about these again. Absolutely. Just, I and have not seen them and I feel bad. Yep. Because this is, I was telling this to, and I was talking about it with caveman earlier. Uh, I know there is good nihilistic, dark sci-fi out there, but it's never the stuff that gets popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, lot. Well, I mean, Rick and Morty. It's kind of the exception of the rule, but... Yeah, like, Rick and Morty is so not like anything else that I don't really count that most of the time. Yeah, that's fair. But, yeah, like, a lot lot of the stuff that is... A lot of stuff that is, like, good, we are doomed stuff is all, like, cult following. While the big, while the big fucking, like... Well, the ones that get popular are just the big slapdick shit of, like, humanity's doomed! And then everyone's like, oh, it's so deep. Yeah. And I mean, to add to the emo dumb shit, uh, it ends with the main character uh, committing suicide by ramming Godzilla's heat beam with a sky cycle. That's probably watching then. Like, just ask a question. I'm just going to ask you this question based on the ending Dead Man, which is a dumber reason for him to commit suicide. The fact that he thinks humanity as a civilization doesn't deserve to exist because the concept of hate exists or that humanity using technology to seek further prosperity is apparently an unforgivable sin. Fuck, can I kill him? <laughs> Just fucking Christ. Just what the fuck do these people who think like this want humanity to do? <clears throat> Just everyone does everyone stand in a line and shoot the person to the left? Yeah, like I mean, I I can't believe I have to do this. Even Boogie Pop, for all its weirdness and like dark themes, seems to have a more hopeful idea about humanity than this shit. Yeah, like I get 
the idea of humanity has fucking war or whatever. So we're fucking like, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, animals fight, but animals don't fight with nuclear arms. Like fucking, yeah, I, to an extent I can understand that, but the idea of, oh, we don't like other people. So thus the human, human race deserves to die. Like that is the most fucking basic ass idiotic fucking idea I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I mean, it's still not stomped, but it's, it's still not quite as dumb as the core conceit of psychopaths, but it's close. Yeah. Just either way. Like just God damn it. Yeah. Like I can't believe you and I like Monica magic as much as we do. And I even like fate zero as much as I can like anything in the fate franchise. And it's just almost even, um, Gargantia on the Virgin's Planet, which is also an Urobuchi joint. But it's not the stuff that people remember Urobuchi for anymore. Oh, no. It's, fucking... shit, it, it's shit like this. Yeah, Gargantia was fucking great. And so, like, not representative of most of Urobuchi's tendencies. Oh, no. Like, Gargantia had its moments <clears throat> of, of Urobuchiness. Like, the whole... Conceit of the fucking like the whole conceit of the fucking space people and the way that they ran things and then like gear to the an extent. Things. Yeah, the squid things. Yeah, the squid like, things. The but situ- then the rest of it is just like like when when it was focused on the water world stuff. Well, I mean the the point of the water world is to show the main character how things got to the point where they are with his own society. Yeah. And while that's it, while the message is a little heavy-handed, at least it's a narrative used to showcase a point through characters' eyes and a story arc. It's not just sitting you down and telling you things for an hour and a half. Yeah. Man, I need to watch Gargantia again. Yeah. Coming soon, maybe. Yeah, fuck. Might as well. It's good. We need to watch good things on here. Yeah, particularly after the last thing we did on anime <laughs> podcast, anime club. <sighs> Fuck that noise. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's it for me. Let's start watching then. Fun news. Just, just, let me just put the gun. Fuck this shit hard. Ignore like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> so, first up, Shueisha, the company that owns basically manga. Uh, they have launched a brand new. Uh, app and website uh, that aims to be that aims to be a more that a- aims to essentially be the main thrust for how people in the West get their hands on anime and manga. Sorry, get their hands on yes. manga, not anime. Yeah, yeah. Well, so aside from uh, Bookwalker, have you seen Bookwalker? Yeah, I've heard of Bookwalker, but that's okay. mainly uh, Katakawa stuff. Yeah, fair enough. This is the other company that people care about. Yeah, so the app is called Manga Plus. Uh, it is available worldwide except for Japan, China, and South Korea because all those already have their own services like this. Uh, it is an app that is available on iOS and Android with service that with the service also available just on a website. And what it is is just it's manga. Any manga that's released by Shueisha through Weekly Shonen Jump magazine, Jump Square, or the Jump Plus service. Once it is released over in Japan, it gets released on this app in English. Uh, it is free 
It's free to download and use. Um, and they release new chapters for free. As well as they have a huge back catalog of completed series, as well as just the other series that you're reading. They do they they don't that have been like running for fucking like five years. So you can so you can just like buy back issues and catch up to read the stuff currently that is free. The service has a total of fifty titles, uh, including thirteen fully completed series that and more titles will be added over the course of time. Uh, with some of the ongoing series they have currently being One Piece, Promise Neverland, My Hero Academia, Haikyuu, Black Clover, fucking Soma, uh, Blue Exorcist, and fucking a bunch more. With completed series including Naruto, Bleach, Bakemon, Dragon Ball, Death Note. And as more series complete, they'll be added to that list. And yeah, I I've used it. I've used the series. I've used the service already, and it's actually kind of solid. Okay, I might have to try it then. Yeah, like it runs off a decent reader. Um, it is, is yeah. You, you you just get it's just the fucking books, just the fucking titles, but in English. Which hey, fucking okay. cool. Cool. Yeah, that that sounds good. Yeah, it is a, and this is this is actually kind of the one of the better ways they could have done this. Because for a lot of these things, it could have been like, all right, yeah, get a fucking subscription service, and then we'll do this, this, and that. Or they could have done it like, just release it, and then it's like, all right, yeah, so you want to read anything, pay fucking like retail prices for all these books. But the way they're doing it is actually the smartest way of, all right, you get the newest shit for free, you want to catch up, fucking pony up. Which I'm actually really surprised by. That they... A lot of these bigger companies, when they release apps like this, they usually fuck them up hard. Mm-hmm. So, hey, good on you, Shueisha. Check out Manga Plus. Uh, moving on good. from there, uh, we got three manga that we've talked about in, in some length on this show getting anime adaptations. Yep. Some that Kate Deadman likes, some that I like. but Yep. So, uh, so the first one, uh, well, not first, just in order I have them fucking listed, uh, B-Stars. B-Stars is a series that I have talked about at some length on here, uh, which is essentially, you know, that movie, like, you know, Hey, you know, the movie Zootopia. What if that was like mature? Oh, B stars. Yeah, I, I tried trying to remember. What are you talking about? Again? Oh, right, B stars. Yeah, yeah. Which is something that Dead Man really, really likes. Yeah, it's fucking really good. I'm still I'll reading read it at some point. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I looked at the first chapter. It looked kind of scratchy, drawing wise. But I maybe I just had to get past that to the storytelling a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, it is it is scratchy, but it but it also is like well written with a fully realized world and like characters that make a. <sighs> Lot and characters that make a lot of sense to me and make sense within the world that they've set up. Sure. And while and it's this is actually kind of a this is actually kind of a, an exception to what I was talking about earlier about for momentum because this starts out with the conceit of a murder. That was that the series starts out with a character being murdered. That takes largely a backseat to the world building and the character development of Lagosi, our main character. 
And once that gets resolved, the series continues and is actually still really good. And I'm still really enjoying reading it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, this series, um, for those who don't know, uh, it is a manga series, uh, by Paru Itagaki and it is in a world where everyone is anthropomorphic animals. Our main character is Lugosi, a gray wolf who goes to a, who goes to a school an integrated school where where predators and prey animals commingle, they interact with each other, and it's just kind of showing how this world works and how Lugosi fits into it. Now, the series is being done by Studio Orange, which is already a strike against it because they're a CG studio. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, why can't it have been the other citrus-related studio? Yeah, and they released a, they released a promotional video. It's 32 seconds. And it looks like shit. It looks uh, like trash. Just fucking good God. They couldn't have gotten like an actual, like a, like just a regular production company to make this. Well, I mean, people keep hiring go hands for some reason. <sighs> yeah. Okay. For the, for, for the sake of argument, um, there is some stuff that Orange Studio has worked on that is not CG animated. Unfortunately, they are they are also known for they might have wanted to do B stars in all animation, beca- all CG animation, because they got a lot of praise last year for making quote unquote the first good um, CG all CG anime last year, Land of Lustrous. Well, let me just say that's impossible. Yeah, a good CG fucking you're, you're you're funny. I'm just saying that's probably why. Yeah. Anywho, uh, second one the guy announced, uh, Astra Lost in Space, a manga that Deb and I are both very fond of. Yeah. Which I finally own all of. I just need to finish reading it so we can discuss it on the show. Yep. And hopefully this. Yeah. And it, it's it's a series that I really enjoyed. That I you can see good moving forward and. It was like, one- I just love the story of how we where I discovered that by accident, read a lot of that, and just told you the premise of, hey, what if Cage of Eden was good? You know, yeah, like, and then I read all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, and it and another thing that actually kind of that I praise the series for is it managed to actually work a decently satisfying ending into a manga that got fucking axed. So hey, fucking good on them. Um, maybe that maybe not. They're getting like a full anime thing. They'll be able to like pace out the pace out the ending better, or write like a real yeah. ending that was intended before it got axed. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so the oh, for reference, I'm looking at Manga Plus's uh, page. It's actually very nicely drawn. Yeah, it's like it's a, very it's, it's a solid design thing. Yeah, gotta tell this to my friends who say they want to support legal means. Yeah. Uh, so, Astra is being uh, produced is being produced by a studio Lerch Lerche Lerche. The German That's word for stuff. lark. Uh, it's probably Lerka or something like that. Because or Lerch, it's uh, if there if there's a ch sound and it, it's either a really hard like Lach. you're trying to, it's either like you're choking or like you're trying to crunch between your teeth. Lerch. 
Yeah. So um, the studio uh, had previously worked on the Danganronpa anime, uh, the Assassination Classroom anime, and more recently, uh, from the last like couple seasons, uh, the Radiant anime. Okay. And from not, what I remember and what I've seen of those things, it is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so, uh, and unlike uh, with Beastars, which I do not believe had a release date mentioned, um, Astra's coming this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be airing later in 2019. I I hope it does well, because um, uh, as I talked, as Devin and I talked about with the, the original manga, uh, I feel like this writer has gotten screwed over by making stuff that's too much like another thing that's more popular, so he just gets forgotten about. Yeah. I hope that's not the case here. Yeah, here's open. Uh, so then. Minus final... core to cover that one when it comes out so I can avoid my own biases. Yeah. And then final new final new anime series coming out. Um, Studio Mappa is going to be developing, is going to be producing a anime adaptation of To the Abandoned Sacred Beasts. That's set to premiere yeah. later this year. Um, I've talked about this before. Uh, it is about a, it's about two people hunting down the genetically engineered soldiers from one side of a from the losing side of a civil war. Yep. And from what I remember of the manga, it's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's from the same guy who made uh, Dusk Maiden of Amnesia, and that shit's real good. So. Yeah. Yeah. And in the first thing where I'm de- where in the first thing where I actually like have an opinion about the studio. Uh, it's being developed by studio, like I said, Studio Mappa, who did the fucking Ushio and Tora. Yep. So mm-hmm. fucking sick, dude. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah. Um. One thing that is a bit, uh, a tiny bit worrisome, but not not like super worrisome. Uh, it's being done by a first time director. Yeah, that can go either way. However, he however he is he's not like a, just a fucking like new kid on the block. Like he was an episode director and storyboarder for Yuri on Ice and Death Parade. Okay, that's not a bad sign. Yeah, so we'll see how this goes. Like I said, this one's coming out later this year. Uh, and then final bit of news. Uh, this is more like kind of our side of thing centric news. Uh, but uh, Meraki Scans, a scanlation group, uh, got hit with a cease and desist letter that ended up, that got hit with a cease and desist that ended up derailing and forcing them to end a good number of their projects, which included a Returns Magic should be special and solo leveling. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it it, it always sucks. Like with these series that have like no chance of being released over here, there's really no other option if we want to actually read these things except by going through scanlators. And I understand that it is, it, it is, you know, not strictly speaking legal, but the fucking companies who are actually making it aren't putting this shit out there, despite the fact that I would, I would pay money for fucking Return as Magic. I want to support that series. Yeah, I would too. But we can't, so. Um, other scanlation groups have picked up the series that have been dropped by, that, that were forced to be dropped by Meraki scans, but. It still just kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And now I just realized that kind of at the end of our anime thing where we were like, yeah, sport creators, we're just like, yeah, this group that was stealing shit just fucking got shut down. And I feel bad about that. Uh, things are weird. Yeah, well, unfortunately, 
the problem is that uh, there's not a really good set way to support all creators of content in Korea, China, and Japan in the West. Yeah. Like, I know we talked about Manga Plus, but that's only for, like, literally the most established manga company in existence. So, yes. Pretty much the only way we could actually support anything is, say, is, say, go on a podcast that has some number of people who listen to it and go, hey, maybe read this thing. Yep. (sighs) Anyway, that's good for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back. It's all fucking part more of this shit. Till then, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. See you guys next time. <laughs>